Welcome to Running Up the Score. I am Alex Kennedy. This is my new show that airs every Tuesday and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. I am joined by a special guest today. He is the founder of the Players NIL, author of the book NIL for All, a 30-minute guide to NIL. My guest is Mark Kesterer. Mark, how are you? Good morning, Alex. Nice to meet you, and thank you for having me on. I'm doing well. I appreciate you joining me. Uh, I definitely want to talk all things NIL. Admittedly, you know, coming from the pro sports space, I don't know as much about NIL as I'm sure you do. Uh, so I'm excited to pick your brain. One of the things that you talk about a lot is that NIL isn't just for the top 1% of athletes. Uh, and I think most people tend to think, oh, star quarterbacks at big programs, you know, elite basketball prospects. Those are the guys that are getting a ton of NIL deals. But uh, can you kind of speak to the uh, ability for other players, maybe even other sports to get uh, NIL deals? Of course. And I think it's important to distinguish, you know, what we refer to as the top 2%, you could say 1%, half percent. We refer to them as the power five schools in revenue generating sports. So in the first couple of years of NIL, revenue generation goes in this sequence. Football being number one, probably not a surprise. Men's basketball, number two, not a surprise. Women's basketball, number three, maybe surprise. Four is women's volleyball. Big surprise, right? So there's a couple of things. I think that um, unfortunately, as NIL was um, released in July of 2021 with no boundaries, no guardrails, no guidelines, there was this gold rush to use NIL as an opportunity for what is supposedly illegal, and that is recruitment and enticement, right? And so the news has captured those stories. And we talk about the top 2% going to Power 5 schools, major, major programs, major stars, five-star recruits. And good for them and great for them for making money and using NIL as an opportunity to change their lives. I'm very happy for them. But what it's done is it's distorted reality. And the reality is that true NIL, or what I refer to as real NIL, R-E-A-L, real NIL is that every student athlete, of which we have over 500,000 enrolled in colleges this academic year, has the opportunity to celebrate their NIL opportunities and maximize that and use that for lifetime skills. So let's put the 2% in a box, happy to talk about them and how they get paid but I am focused on the 98%. So when should athletes or their family members start uh, educating themselves on NIL? What would you say is the right time to start learning about this? That's a great question. I get asked that very often. This is my philosophy. My philosophy is age 16 or your junior year in high school. It's when the recruiting process starts in earnest, your college decision process starts to take hold. It takes time to build a brand because the 98% are not going to get paid to run fast and jump high, okay? They're going to get paid for return on investment on their NIL deal with a sponsor. That means social media, that means appearances, that means camps, uh, signatures, apparel, whatever it is that they build as a business line. It takes time. You can't just parachute in first day freshman year on campus in college and have an NIL brand. It takes time. So juniors in high school is the answer to the question. What are some of the keys to building a personal brand? Because, I mean, I think nowadays with social media, it's probably easier than ever for a lot of athletes to do so. And, you know, we've seen some kickers and people that you wouldn't typically think of as uh, high profile athletes that have these big social media followings and are able to build that brand. But what are some tips or keys to building a personal brand? Well, first of all, you're absolutely right. Never before has it been easier to build a brand. But on the counter part of that is never before has it been easier to destroy a brand. 
And so True. those are the pitfalls, right? So brand is, let's define brand. Brand is how other people perceive you, right? How you look, how you dress, who you hang out with, where you work, where you live, uh, how you behave, how you interact, how you answer the phone, how you don't answer the phone. So brand is how other people perceive you. Using social media is the best way to build a brand in today's world. And in fact, in the first two years of NIL, over 70% of NIL deals were based on social media. Okay. So building a brand is about storytelling. And my background in Hollywood tells you that there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Right. And I'm talking about telling a story and building a brand larger than your circle of friends and family. You may have had a fun weekend last weekend going to a football game. You may have taken pictures. You may have taken a picture of the hot dog or the beer or the friends, or you took a video of somebody screaming and yelling as a fan. That's kind of like a friends and family circle. You know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have Thanksgiving. You're going to show grandma's turkey. That's a friends and family circle. A brand is telling a story that enlarges that. What other interests do you have, Alex? Are you into music, art, fashion? Are you a history buff? Do you care about food? Those are the things that then grow that circle. So the beginning is, how did you become interested in it? The middle is, how do you engage with that subject matter or that product? You know, do you eat sushi every Friday night? Do you drink a certain brand? Do you eat a certain flavor of potato chips? That's the middle. And then the end would be, you know, how do you use that to better your life, which is our vision of using NIL as a platform to better your life. So if you're really into music and you start to tell a story about music, and your interest, and maybe you want to be a sound engineer, maybe you want to be a recording artist, maybe you want to be a videographer, maybe you want to be an editor, start to tag brands in that section and that segment of the industry, it's your resume. It becomes your entree to create job opportunities and future uh, professional opportunities. You mentioned your experience in Hollywood. You were the CEO of Sports Studio. You eventually sold that company. Uh, but I know that I, I saw that you did a lot of productions with the different various sports leagues. Uh, you also were a former uh, college athlete, and four of your children played college sports. So I feel like you have a very unique uh, skill set that kind of helps you in this field. You uh, have firsthand experience with college sports, and you, you kind of know what it's like to to reach athletes and, and teach them about NIL, but then also have the the background in Hollywood. Can you kind of speak on your skill set and how it helps you with uh, you know this current role that you now have? Yeah, so you know I was the son of a high school you know coach, a junior high gym teacher. And um, he taught me, my father taught me very early, how do you use athletics to better your life? And I was able to do that. I was an average high school athlete, division two college football player, but on full scholarship, right? So created lifetime friends, created economic opportunities with my education, networking. So I learned how to use athletics to better my life <clears throat> during that process. When I became a father, I thought that athletics would be a great way for me to help my children. And as I started to do that, I started to realize that there were others that needed that. So I became a community servant. I built some youth programs that grew to 4,000 kids. I put 200 kids in high school with one of my programs. So I had all this experience, and I used athletics to better the lives of the people around me. So those are the two missions of our company, athletics to better your life and athletics to better the lives of the people around you. When I moved to Hollywood, I was in the sports and entertainment business, and it was there that I learned about branding and marketing. We produced all of the what we call scripted sports content in Hollywood. So that was TV shows, movies, commercials, feature films, photo shoots for and in partnership with the NBA, NFL, MLB, U.S. Soccer, Major League Soccer. So I learned about sponsorship, 
group licensing, all of these things. And so my background personally connected with my current profession, which was the CEO of Sports Studio. We launched this company because I thought that we could change people's lives using my experience and creating lifetime skills that would translate for not just a four-year thing, but a 40-year thing. And that's what I believe NIL is. You mentioned the pitfalls of social media, and I've talked to some athletes about this. Uh, you know, we, we, I was involved in a secondary pro combine for basketball players that were trying to make it to the NBA or G League. And we talked about how, you know, one social media post can uh, ruin endorsements for you and, and can hurt your stock with teams. And we've seen that, you know, we've seen plenty of players lose endorsements or different uh, money-making ventures because of a social media post. And oftentimes they'll claim they're hacked. I think that excuse doesn't really work well anymore because it's been used so many times. Um, but what advice would you give to players uh, or their family members about social media and some of the pitfalls there? Well, first one is think before you hit send, right? So double check, you know, don't do it out of anger. Don't do it at the wrong time of night when you may not have all of your faculties together. And, you know, if you have an opinion, that's great, you know, but understand that there may be others that don't share that opinion and be open-minded. Don't be so dominant that this is the only way that it works. This is the only way that life is because there's two sides to every coin. But obviously there are pitfalls, you know, stay away from illegal substances, stay away from, you know, uh, ill-advised political comments, stay away from ill-advised social comments. And that's very difficult today because we're polarized by so many of these things, whether it's Black Lives Matter or the government or whatever it may be, there's so many issues. It's really difficult. And um, my advice is stay in your lane, which is not to say that you can't be political. We understand LeBron James has got great things to say, but he has a platform to say it. You know, he has experience. He has knowledge. He has business acumen that gives him the power and the authority to have opinions. Make sure that what you say you can back up and that you believe in and that it's part of your life. A few years ago, I did an article about how LeBron James and Kevin Durant, a lot of these current NBA players are influencing younger athletes and, and you know, helping them get business savvy and, you know, see the value of equity and, and some of these things. Um, you know, it's kind of changing how sponsorships work. I know a lot of companies now, um, you know, they, a lot of companies don't want to give equity, but they're kind of realizing they have to because the players are demanding it um, or they're doing uh, non-exclusive deals where guys can get money from multiple different companies in the same space. Uh, I'm curious. What do you think, what kind of impact do you think guys like LeBron, KD, some of these bigger superstars that have uh, really been smart with their off-court ventures, how, what kind of impact does that have on younger athletes? Yeah, amazing. You know, and it's an amazing example. I think a couple of things have come in. You know, first of all, they're, they're very intelligent. Second of all, they're incredibly talented. And they have that entrepreneurial gene. Step, throw Steph Curry in there in the mix. Too. Yeah. You know, uh, throw Draymond Green, right? Throw uh, Andre Iguodala, who just retired right? Incredibly, I think he just launched a $200 million investment fund. So they're incredibly bright. They're incredibly talented, which gives them a platform. And they're making more money than ever before. So they have the resources, right? They have the connections. And I think what LeBron has shown us, and maybe, you know, Magic Johnson may have been the first one to really do this at a high level. And that was to use this platform to connect with traditional businesses, whether Magic Johnson's case, it was Starbucks or um, uh, movie theaters, maybe it was AMC, I'm not sure. I mean, look at Shaquille O'Neal today. Look how many brands he's associated with. And so he's using his platform, he's using his brain, he's using his athletic 
uh, prowess to create an audience, to tell a story, and to connect and promote brands. And in most of those cases that we just talked about, those big-time athletes, they're doing it for an equity position. And that's what's going to change because not only are they making money on the court, they're now going to become billionaires off the court. You know, Patrick Mahomes is another example. He said they may, he may be the first billionaire football player. You know, incredibly diverse in his investment portfolio. Um, and I think it's a great beacon for kids to look up to and a great example. Uh, but again, they're doing it the right way through hard work, through authenticity, through, you know, really incredible leadership within their brand. And I, I think it's an amazing uh, time in our life. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Prize Picks. If you haven't tried daily fantasy sports on Prize Picks, you're missing out. Here's how it works. You pick two to six players and whether they'll score more or less points than their prize picks projection. If you're right, you win big. You can win 25 times your money on any entry. At Prize Picks, you aren't competing against experts and sharks. It's just you versus the projections. Prize Picks offers projections on virtually every sport. NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, overseas basketball, and more. You can mix and match players from different sports, so you could have Steph Curry and Patrick Mahomes in the same lineup, for example. If you download Prize Picks today and use the promo code RUNNING, they'll double your deposit up to $100. That's the promo code RUNNING, and they will double your deposit up to $100. It takes 30 seconds or less to build an entry. To show you how easy it is, I'm going to build a lineup right now. All right, so we're on prize picks. Let's go Giannis, 1.5 blocks and steals. Let's go more. And then let's go over to the NFL and receiving yards. A.J. Brown has been dominant lately. I picked him on uh, Wednesday as well. I just think I'm going to keep rolling with him until he lets me down. Um, A.J. Brown, more than nine, oh, more than 82.5 receiving yards. I will definitely take that. Let's do a $20 entry. Giannis, A.J. Brown, place entry. Boom, we're good to go. We're entered. Thank you, Prize Picks, for sponsoring this episode. Again, use that promo code RUNNING, and they will double your deposit up to $100. That is the promo code RUNNING. All right, this is not sponsored, but I have one more quick shout-out I want to do before we get back to the interview with Mark. I got this awesome package from the NBA. It is promoting the NBA in-season tournament. It's a bracket. Uh, the in-season tournament starts tonight, and they sent me this yesterday. It's so cool. I wanted to open it here. Um, so you can see the bracket here. They also sent me this package, which is really cool. And you open it up, and it has a bunch of gold coins, chocolate coins, with team logos on them. And so the idea is that you can take the team that you think are going to advance in the in-season tournament and put them in the bracket to fill out your different bracket so you can predict who's going to win the in-season tournament, or you can just keep track of the tournament as it goes along and who is winning. Um and then if you open up the box with the actual bracket, this is really cool. It is a bottle of Hennessy with a mixing spoon and some mixers. And then the rules of the in-season tournament and explaining everything. There's two whiskey glasses right there that say in-season tournament on there. It is so cool. So I just want to say thank you to the NBA. They sent me this and I really appreciate it. So I wanted to open it here on the show. And give a shout out to the NBA. So, yeah, thank you so much. And uh, tonight, in-season tournament begins. Check it out. Let's get back to the interview with Mark. Another thing we're seeing is a lot of athletes getting into the podcast or media space. Uh, you mentioned Draymond Green. You know, he has a super popular podcast. You know, before it seemed like guys would start to transition to media or podcasting 
when their career was over or like the final year of their career. Now you have these current players that are doing it, uh, you know, the whole time that they're playing. What are your thoughts on that and some of the media opportunities that players have, not only, you know, pro players, but obviously college athletes as well? Well, look, I mean, just as you mentioned about social media, let's call podcasting a form of social media, right? First of all, it's free. Anyone can have a podcast. I have one. You have one. No offense to us. We're not Dream on Green. We're not the Kelsey brothers. <laughs> we are <you> not. <laughs> but they they have a voice, right? They have an opinion about things and they have connections to create interesting uh, stories. So I believe this. I believe I'm a sports fan, have been a basketball junkie since I was, you know, eight or nine years old. I love the background. I, you know, people ask me who my favorite teams are. I don't really have a favorite team. I have favorite stories. I have favorite players. I have favorite backgrounds. And I think what podcasting does is it pulls back the curtain just a little bit and you can see inside that person's personality, what they're thinking, what they're breathing, how they live their life. And I think that can be inspirational. And it's part of, you know, what is fan short for? Short for fanatic. Fanatic, right? yep. And, and those of us that are sports fans are really kind of fanatical about who we follow. And I think podcasting in particular, we get to see a face, hear a voice, we get to interact, we get to see them you know, be put on the spot and be uncomfortable sometimes. And that's really a cool opening into their personalities. Yeah, I think now more than ever, there's so many ways if you're a fan of a, a certain player to kind of see who they are as a person, whether it's a podcast, whether it's, uh, you know, their social media pages, whether it's streaming on Twitch, watching them play video games and interact with their friends and things like that. It's a pretty cool time to be uh, a fan. I'm curious, uh, you talk about how NIL can help players develop various life skills. Uh, what are some of those life skills that can be developed through NIL? Uh, and can you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, so let's talk about what we teach. We have five pillars that we teach in our program, and I believe they're universal life skill pillars that almost every young person probably should take advantage of. And we are teaching them to non-athletes, artists, musicians, dancers, entertainers, because it's all about personal branding. Never before have we had a chance to build a brand. Well, there's how many entrepreneurs out there doing that right now? And many of them started in their dorm room, started in their garage, started in their parents' basement, whatever it may be. And so... Digital marketing is the first thing. You know, how do you use social media to gain an audience? Just what we talked about and how to tell a story. Influencer relationships. What does it look like when I talk to a brand about an influencer agreement? What are the expectations? What are the deliverables? What are the things in the contract that I should pay attention to? So the legal aspect of it, right? What is What are lifetime rights? What is intellectual property? What are net payment terms? These are things you need to understand when you're making those agreements. So in college, there's compliance issues. Understand what those are. The lifetime skills really get important here. Community service and philanthropy. How do you use that to give back? And those great basketball superstars that we talk to are all involved in their communities. They're all giving back. They're all charitable. LeBron has a school in Akron. Uh, you know, so many examples of that throughout professional sports, which is great. So community service and philanthropy, what does that look like? And we talk about the mental health aspect of that. For those that are not turning pro, building a brand and building a self-image that's outside of sports, not just can you dribble a basketball and shoot it, but what happens when that ball stops bouncing? And then the final pillar that we teach is basic financial literacy, which every young person should take at least one class on. So you mentioned the program, but for people that may not be familiar, can you kind of uh, explain where they could find the program? I know, you know you're the founder of the Players NIL. Can you kind of go more in depth on the program and just where it can be found? Absolutely. The name of the company is the Players NIL. We're on theplayersnil.com. 
We're on every social handle at the Players NIL. We are a online uh, education company. We have over 50 individual lessons for those pillars that we just mentioned. There are dynamic learning. So they're cartoons, they're animated whiteboards, digitized badges. So it's fun. It's two to four minute sections. It's fast paced, but it's a baseline of understanding of NIL skills. We also do one-on-one coaching. We do live presentations. So the players NIL is our company where we think NIL is for all. I mentioned that you were a college athlete and then your children were also college athletes. I'm curious, how much of college sports changed from when you were playing to now when your kids played? Because I mean, I've talked to you know, NBA players who obviously played college sports and then now their kids are coming up and, and they just talk about how it's so different and social media has changed things so much and all the opportunities that are out there. You know, when you kind of saw the college sports landscape uh, when your kids were in it, what were some of the biggest surprises for you were the biggest changes that you noticed? Well, obviously the size of the athletes, right? You know, yeah. the, fitness le- the fitness level, I mean, they're all, you know, I was a, I was a big tight end at 225 pounds 40 years ago. <laughs> quarterbacks are bigger than me now running backs are bigger than me so obviously the game has changed on the field it's faster it's quicker uh i think the technology has changed things too you know whether it be the fitness technology the film technology i was laughing about this the other day so when i played college football we literally had film that had to be developed we could not see the saturday game film until sunday afternoon right it had wow. to be developed and delivered in canisters right and so today they film every practice. We say film, but it's digital. You know, my son's lacrosse team has three cameras at every practice. It breaks down. They have artificial intelligence that breaks down the offense, the defense, the special teams, all of the individual plays. So there's a technology involved with scouting, a technology involved with preparation. So I think it's just played at a higher level. And then the final thing is the exposure. You know, everything's on television. Everything's on the you know, stream today. Like, uh, you know, there's so many great streaming services now that do minor sports in college, you know, Division Two, Division Three. You can get on the web and watch almost any event that you want, and even in the high school level now. So those are some of the changes that have happened in, in my lifetime. You've touched on a few, but I'm curious, what are some of the biggest misconceptions about NIL? I think the, the fact that it's not just for the top 1% or top 2%, I think that's a big one. Um, what are some of the b- biggest misconceptions that maybe fans or people from the outside looking in might have? Yeah, I think that's the biggest one, right, is that, you know, you're just going to get paid to run fast and jump high. And I think in some cases that's true. But I think we're also now overcorrecting a little bit. and We're coming back and saying, are these good citizens? Are these good people? Are they going to represent the school, the university, the program, the donors, the alumni in a proper way? So, again, these lifetime skills that we teach are important, you know the pitfalls of social media, you know, managing your life, being a professional, being on time, delivering the content that you've been asked to do that, right? So I think, you know, the biggest pitfall is that we fall into the trap that it's free money and there's no such thing as free money, right? And so there's pressure and you combine that with the transfer portal. These kids are under a tremendous amount of pressure and I wonder and worry about the mental health aspect of it would be one of the things I talk about, right? Because again, they've been popularized these top 2% and sensationalized and celebrated since they were young, especially in basketball. You know, we're looking at 12, 14, 15 year old prodigies. Now we're seeing YouTube clips of them. Think about the pressure on those kids to perform and the pressure on the people around them to gain success. And that outside pressure then puts pressure on the athlete, you know, whether it be a street agent, whether it be parents looking for money, whether it be a coach trying to get you on an AAU team, 
I think there's just societal pressures on young people. NIL puts a little bit of a magnifying glass on that. Yeah, I've talked to agents about that. They they said, you know, imagine being 13 years old and no one wants to tell you no. You don't really face any rejection. You know, you're maybe the most popular person in your community. Uh, you know, you have millions of followers. It, it's kind of crazy. Uh, or millions of views across YouTube and TikTok and all of that. I mean, it's not really something that I think a lot of people would have a hard time addressing to, much less a 13 or 14-year-old. So uh, definitely interesting. I'm curious, how has NIL changed the college sports landscape? Because, you know, from my view, it definitely seems like certain players can stay in school longer. They don't have to go chase the money in the pros because they can make big money if they're at a big school or they're, you know, a, a big time player with a big social media following or, or things like that. But um, between the transfer portal and NIL, it seems like this is a really interesting time where college sports are changing quite a bit. You know, how do you think NIL has, has kind of changed the landscape? Well, there's no question about it. And to your first point, I think women's basketball is probably the best example because their professional salaries are not that high. So for instance, you know, Caitlin Clark at Iowa is going to make way more money in college with her NIL deals than she ever will her first or second year in the WNBA or European or wherever she plays overseas. So in women's basketball, that's true. I think for borderline NBA agents or borderline NBA athletes, you know, if you're in that second, third round draft pick, you got a chance to stay in school for a million dollars. I think you probably think about staying in school. So that's a very dynamic change right there. I think overall, it's changing how we perceive it. It's changing how it's operating, but it's still the same. It's still the top schools are going to get the top kids, right? There's going to be, they're taking the brown bag of money from the parking lot and brought it into the locker room and made it more public, right? That's all that they've done. Kentucky's still going to be great in basketball. Alabama's still going to be great in football. I think Texas A&M this year, one of the biggest NIL programs in the country, their record is around 500. So it hasn't guaranteed winning, you know? Now, the dynamic that's at the extreme would be Deion Sanders in Colorado football because he's taken this collision of NIL and the transfer portal and rebuilt a team in less than 12 months. That's unheard of. But if he's successful, and so far by most accounts you'd say he's successful – if he's successful, other programs are going to look and say, hey, I'm a fledgling middle of the round, middle of the lead team in the SEC, in the Big Ten, in the ACC. If I go get one of these dynamic Deion Sanders type coaches and we empower him or her in a female sport, we might be at the top of the league pretty soon. We might gain alumni donations. We might grow our athletic budget. So Everyone's watching to see how the Deion Sanders experiment pans out. But if it does, like it looks like it's going to, that may be the biggest dynamic change. So we mentioned, you know, when should athletes and their family members start paying attention to this stuff? Uh, what would be your biggest advice to an athlete and their, their relatives uh, as they kind of enter the NIL space or start educating themselves? What would be some advice that you would pass on to them? Well, it's the same advice I have for young athletes and have had for a long time through my experience unfortunately we get carried away again fan is short for fanatic parents are fans of their kids right and so they want success for them they want happiness they want them to achieve things in some cases parents are living vicariously through their kids right they're living their best dreams through their kids and they put all that pressure and they specialize in sports and they you know my next book will be a book entitled 12 year olds win for all the wrong reasons it's about it's a parenting book it's about how success at age 12 has almost trans, no translation to success at age 16, 18, and 22. 
that the successful athletes in the long run are good citizens. They're competitive. They know how to lose. They're, they're fighting. They don't give up. Um, they have some talent, of course. I don't know that you can really change that director, that, you know, that direction. And I think that what I learned in Hollywood and with my background is, and you know this, Alex, from your experience, when an NBA player walks through the door, they're different. You can see them, right? Yeah. They're bigger. They're taller. Yep. They're more athletic. They're more fit. Their hands are bigger. Their neck is bigger. Their feet are bigger. Like, the, And I don't care. All the parenting in the world isn't going to change that. You know, God gave certain people certain physical attributes. Are there people that break that mold? Absolutely. I think Steph Curry walked in the door at Davidson and they laughed at him, right? But he's a unique, right? He's a unicorn. The average big-time college athlete was a big-time college athlete at age 16 and age 18, right? The most of them. And that doesn't mean that they have to have all of this pressure, sports specialization. So the word that I would use, which no one's going to listen to, is patience. But I wish more parents had some. No, well said. Anyone who saw my interview with Paolo Bancaro uh, two weeks ago and saw me next to 20-year-old Paolo and him just towering over me can definitely uh, speak to that. Uh, it is crazy to see some of these guys are just huge and uh, you can't teach that. One of the best things that ever happened in my career was realizing at like 13, 14 years old that I had no chance of playing professional sports or even college sports. So I started writing about it, doing different videos, things like that. And it helped me kind of get some experience early on. So yeah, I think being realistic and not always listening to the people around you that are pushing you uh, can be some of the best advice that you can give someone. Um, you know, Realism is tough whenever you're talking about your dreams, obviously, but sometimes you can pivot to a different dream that, you know, still allows you to work in sports, but, you know, doesn't require you to be six foot ten. <laughs> Last question for you. Uh, when you talk about the future of NIL or some changes that you'd like to see to NIL, you know, what kind of stands out to you? Because I'm sure, I mean, it's obviously so new. It's only been, what, two years old now. So what are some things that you would like to see change? And what do you think the future of NIL holds? Well, I'd like to see some more standardization on some of the rules, you know, whether it be um, uh, athletes becoming employees or not. That's a difficult conversation. I'm not really prepared to talk about that. That's not my expertise, but I think some standardized NIL practices are good. Some, okay. I think the collision with the transfer portal has caused a lot of problems. I believe the transfer portal can be modified to be more equitable and more fair to the existing team um, and coaches. I believe that we're going to have a superpower conference of football schools, somewhere between 40 and 60 schools. They're going to be the dominant players in the athletic space of college athletics. And I think it's going to be driven by football. There may be a Big East basketball component to it. There may be someone that has a basketball conference that's very powerful. You know, the Big East, not a powerful football conference, has won three of the last 10 NCAA championships. And so... There is room in basketball, but in football, it's the big boys. It's the big players. I think you're going to see a super league. And I think everyone else outside of that is going to become at the same level. And I think uh, NIL will create opportunities for college coaches to build up their program, to be competitive, to engage athletes and empower athletes, to be great citizens, great leaders, great alumni for the schools and universities. And I'm excited for what NIL can do for young people. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you think is important to share about NIL or about your program? No, I think you've been very kind and asked a lot of great questions. And, you know, I just want to tell everybody out there that there is an NIL opportunity there for everyone. And uh, if they'd like to learn more about it, they can contact me directly. I'm happy to chat anytime. And 
Alex, I appreciate the opportunity to share on your podcast. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Definitely was eye-opening for me too, because I think, you know, I was one of those people that think of just the top players and, oh, they're probably making millions. And you don't think about, uh, especially some of the smaller sports or, um, you know, the other athletes that can be making a lot of money from this. So it's definitely interesting. Definitely everyone check out the Players NIL program. Check out the book NIL for All, a 30-minute guide to NIL. Mark, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Alex, thank you. Have a great day. Everyone, if you want to check out more episodes of Running Up the Score, they are every Tuesday and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Until next time, thanks for watching.